This is MJ. I'm an author, I'm an artist, I'm an analyzer. Find all my work at MJMunoz.com. Welcome to another episode of Red Panda Report. This is the second episode where we're going to be talking about Red Panda Adventures, Episode 2. Red Panda Adventures, Episode 2 is called Night Patrol. It originally aired October 29th, 2005, written and directed by Greg Taylor. This is Episode 2 of Season 1. Here's the uh, intro synopsis of the episode, which you should go listen to at Dakota Ring Theater if you haven't done that already. What do superheroes do when they don't have a case? Why they go out looking for trouble, of course. They'll find more than they bargained for when the Red Panda's new sidekick, Kit Baxter, the Flying Squirrel, joins her partner on her very first night patrol. Those are cool. So anyway, uh, this may sound silly, but the squirrel-stomping stalker scene was a little much. Uh, Napoleon, you know, the Napoleon, uh, the Ziggy Piggy himself, decreed that soldiers be summarily shot for certain crimes, if you know what I mean, like what that criminal was trying to do, that stalker was trying to do to that lady. And I can't say I disagree with that policy, but the brutality here felt a little indulgent, and it just, I don't know, just kind of played funny for me. Um, it kind of played funny for me. Uh, some of the audience audio in the theater, or I mean, <clears throat> theater, uh, was oddly muffled and echoed in a weird way, and it kind of, I don't know, it, I'm sure it was supposed to feel like they're distant from the stage where most of the action was happening, but it just sounded kind of odd, and I don't think it was the best way to make that uh, that effect happen. Like, maybe they could have had no echo or no distortion on them, but just be lowered so that it was hard to hear them because they're reasonably farther away from the action, which, I mean, the center of the action, the camera, the microphone, whatever, is right next to... Uh, Professor Zombie and Red Panda, I guess, and I, yeah, I would think that would work better to do, to do the voices a little differently, but, because like I said, it just seemed a little off to me. Um, I really liked uh, the idea of using Night Patrol as a deterrent. It's a super neat idea that this very public display of their movements throughout town will have an effect on people where they will begin to think that Red Panda and Flying Squirrel are anywhere, they could show up anywhere, and be anywhere in a short amount of time, and that's uh, got to be a scary thought for criminals and other ne'er-do-wells. I love the static shoe roof-hopping, uh, and that Red Panda is some sort of genius uh, who keeps upgrading uh, his tech as the need arises. Uh, of course, the public display of the static shoe roof-hopping is part of what adds to Night Patrol and makes it even better in some ways because it uh, amplifies their presence as opposed to him skulking around and you know walking on the streets or something like that so that's a pretty cool idea uh, next thing is Professor Zombie is fun and dangerous is a fun and dangerous villain uh, very cool uh, I like uh, oh and then the, the last thing that I really enjoyed was the idea of like the dates getting interrupted and him uh, getting dumped by this girl because he ran out of excuses to uh, come up um, to use to give her for why you know he wasn't able to see her and why he had to break dates and things like that. So I like the idea of Red Panda's life interrupting the life of his secret identity. And you know, would that be more meaningful if it was like Peter Parker where we knew who he was as a person, or is it just as meaningful and impactful here? I don't know. Either way, it works for me. And we'll talk about more of that uh, later in the series, in the season, at rather in the season than the series. Um, but I just kind of want to leave it at that for now. Um, <clears throat> And I do like, hold on, let me see, it doesn't matter about his secret identity being a secret even from us in the context of this relationship thing. No, not really, but it is interesting to me that he 
uh, tells Kit that if it doesn't involve supervillains or crime fighting, he doesn't really have a mind for it. Which, you know, that doesn't include uh, the development of the tech and stuff that they use. Because that is, you know, adjacent to crime fighting, I guess. So that, that makes a lot of sense. But, uh, I don't know. Just, uh, again, there's another hint being dropped there. If you know what I mean. Okay, I feel like I should know the name of Anton Spivak that they mentioned is this famous uh, singer or whatever. And, uh, I don't know, should I? Because maybe it's somebody else who I should know who's famous for something else or was involved with some of the old-time radio stuff. I, I don't really know. Uh, and then, uh... I want to know, like, why does Red Panda flirt with Professor Zombie or Antonia, as he call her, calls her? First of all, and also, I find it hilarious that he calls her by her first name and that he compliments her on her dress. Like, it's just an odd mix. And, I, I mean, I, I can only assume it goes back to the days when he was fighting her without the help of the Flying Squirrel before he and Kit were uh, partners in crime fighting together. So, uh, it's just kind of an interesting dynamic. Reminds me of, uh, in Clone Wars, they had Obi-Wan and or Kenobi and Ventress uh, have a similar dynamic. And uh, it's kind of fun. It's weird, but it's fun. And I like it. Uh, so, gonna just specify here, this is the first appearance of, well, it's the second appearance of the static shoes. It's the first appearance of the static shoes uh, being used for propelling somebody away from a rooftop and then to another rooftop, uh, you know, opposite of it. And apparently the Red Panda makes about a 40-foot jump with the power of static electricity uh, being channeled through static shoes. And uh, that's a really cool idea. And uh, I thought he was going to say that, you know, and with the power of static electricity, it's practically free. Um, which, you know, you would just crinkle or you would, as you move, I guess, build up static electricity. And that's how it's, uh, I guess, a limitless power source for them. Because I don't think, well, they may talk about a power source for it later, but not yet. I think they use whatever generates the static electricity uh, as like a battery pack for something later. But again, we'll talk about that later. Um, but he says it's almost effortless, which is cool. So the actual jumping is pretty much effortless, but they're still running and, you know, going from rooftop to rooftop and that's having some effect on them physically. And you get to hear that, them panting and stuff as, uh, you know, the travel is tiring, tired them out as they, uh, as they reach that woman who's being attacked. So, the next thing is, on villains, I have a couple notes on Professor Zombie. Almost more like uh, building a profile for her with this. So, Professor Zombie is a delightful scenery-chewing villain. Andrea Lyons, whose name I don't know if I have spelled correctly, but it'll be in the notes. You can look her up on Decoder Ring Theater. Uh, does a wonderful job. Uh, she's an awful, murderous madwoman, but it's fun. Or it's, like, done in a fun way, or it's all done in good fun. It's very strange. It doesn't make sense. It shouldn't work, but it's rather entertaining. But isn't that how most villains in media are? Right? Anyway, a Necronium 234 is what she uses. It's a blend of science and voodoo that Professor Zombie, uh, I think she says like she inherited this information uh, and she uses it to turn unwilling victims into her zombie slaves. And it just like goes into them and it removes life from them and it makes them zombies. And for whatever reason, maybe because she's the one who made the formula or she's the one, I don't know how that works. Somehow it's tied to her where she's able to have uh, control over these individuals who've been zombified, which is, you know, crazy. She talks about using her zombie army to attack the city until they give her all the money she wants. Um, and then the newspapers call her a wannabe despot, I think, or would-be despot. So I guess she wants to wield much power from zombie... Uh, with zombies and then use that power to, you know, lord it over people. Uh, and then Antonia is immune to her own necronium gas, which is pretty cool. And that's a great idea. And uh, 
definitely a smart thing to do if you're going to have a gas that can turn people into zombies you would not want to be turned into a zombie yourself and uh you know i'm sure she'll never face that threat the threat of zombification because she's immune uh, a couple tidbits on lore uh kit asks panda when she can learn hypnosis but he, he doesn't directly answer her but says he's been at this a while uh, you know implying that it takes a while to learn hypnosis i guess uh and then he uses low-level psychological warfare to keep crooks spooked while he and the flying squirrel handle the most urgent cases after all they can't be everywhere at once which we discussed earlier okay hold on and then a uh, flying squirrel gets called fearless flying female and a courageous cowled champion in the pages of the Sentinel newspaper, which is exciting for her. She's kind of earned her stripes by getting her recognition as a superhero and as the red partner panda, or as the red panda's partner, I should say. And then uh, the mayor agrees with Chief O'Malley that the red panda and flying squirrel are menaces. And, uh, you know, that's something typical of these kinds of characters doing their superheroics. The... People will see them as potentially villains or just as bad as the foes they face or whatever, especially people in power, um, like a mayor and a police chief. But, you know, that may come to an end, as it does in some of these uh, superhero shows, or maybe they'll always be outlaws. You never know. We'll have to see what happens uh, on the continuing adventures of the Red Panda. But basically, I think I've said all I have to say about this. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I thought it was a lot of fun. I pointed out the things I liked, um, a couple things that I thought were weird. And that's about it. So without further, further, well, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. This is MJ signing out. And I ask that you look forward to the next episode of Red Panda Report. I hope you enjoyed that. Go to mjmunoz.com to leave any questions, comments, or other feedback you might have. There you can find all of my analysis, art, and fiction. I cover books, tokusatsu, comic books, anime, and more. Look around. You're sure to find something else that you'll enjoy as well. This has been a Story Over Everything production.